Truth Espresso, episode 220. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. <laughs> and now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, friends, family, foes, and lurkers alike. This is your host, Daniel Minnick. Welcome to this episode of Truth Espresso, and I am joined, as usual, by my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea. And although we finished our Christmas is Pro-Life series last week, we're kind of springboarding off of that with some notes we took, along with some recent events, particularly a bill that was voted on in the House. And so we're going to talk about that and ready to talk about more abortion and Bible-related topics for this episode, sweetheart. Yes, I think this will be a good talk and I think especially how you mentioned that this is something recent in news and a lot of people will be talking about this. So this is good to just be grounded in what does God's word say about some of these issues that we keep hearing about in the news and media and how we can approach it from what God's word says. Definitely, sweetheart. And so I'm sure that listeners are aware of recent events around the midterm elections in which we ended up with a slim Republican majority in the House. And seemingly because the majority was slim, it's almost as if by God's providence that also allowed for some more conservative holdouts actually to have more leverage on the election of the Speaker of the House there. So Speaker Kevin McCarthy was recently after the 15th round of voting because there were 20 holdouts there that refused to vote for him unless he conceded. And I think if the Republican majority was more than it was, the Freedom Caucus would not have had the leverage to (laughs) make those concessions. So even though there's a slim Republican majority there, it might end up being the most conservative house that we've seen for quite a while. And we pray that God will use some of these people here in the house to push some good bills. And even if the current Democrat Senate doesn't pass them, at least use these bills to expose and force the hand of some of these Democrats so that things will be revealed. So that's our prayer for this current House majority here. And one of the things recently that the House voted on and passed was a bill, H.R. 26, called the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. So on January 11th, this bill passed the House with 220 voting in favor of it and 210 voting against it. So all the Republicans there voted in favor of it. All the Democrats, except for two, voted against it. Uh, Only two Democrats didn't vote against it. Representative Henry Cuellar of Texas voted in favor, 
So he was the only one who actually voted in favor of it, and Representative Vicente Gonzalez, also of Texas, voted present. So basically, he didn't want to vote in favor or against it, so he just kind of threw away his vote by voting present. And so, because of the Republican majority in the House, they were able to pass this particular bill out of the House, and now it goes to the Senate, where, of course, you know, given the way the Senate is right now, we don't expect it to pass the Senate, and if by some miracle of God it passed the Senate, it would have to be an equal miracle of God for President Biden to sign it to law. But at least these things are being debated and voted on, and it's forcing people to have to actually take a stand and reveal themselves. And I think that's a good thing, I think. So I was thinking maybe we could just read a little bit of the bill itself just to give our listeners an idea of what the bill is talking about. So the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act is a bill that says, This bill establishes requirements for the degree of care a healthcare practitioner must provide in the case of a child born alive following an abortion or attempted abortion. Specifically, a healthcare practitioner who is present must, one, exercise the same degree of care as would reasonably be provided to any other child born alive at the same gestational age, and two, ensure the child is immediately admitted to a hospital. Additionally, a healthcare practitioner or other employee who has knowledge of a failure to comply with the degree of care requirements must immediately report such failure to law enforcement. A healthcare practitioner who fails to provide the required degree of care, or a healthcare practitioner or other employee who fails to report such failure, is subject to criminal penalties, a fine up to five years in prison or both. An individual who intentionally kills or attempts to kill a child born alive is subject to prosecution for murder. The bill bars the criminal prosecution of a mother of a child born alive under this bill and allows her to bring a civil action against a healthcare practitioner or other employee for violations. End of the bill. So it's a pretty short, simple bill there. Of course, being 100% pro-life here, we would look at this kind of bill as like, well, of course, but things need to go a lot further than that. You know, like life begins at conception and all that. Abortion itself, the practice should be completely unthinkable and illegal. (laughs) Society should not favor abortions at all. So this bill kind of becomes an example somewhat of a litmus test not really a litmus test, but a, I think, a thermometer, okay, <laughs> um, to evaluate the thinking of some of these people who opposed it. Because, you know, as you read it, it seems like it's simple. It's not saying, okay, someone must do specific things. It's just kind of like, hey, as a medical provider, you care for a born child as a human being. So regardless if it's a baby who's survived an abortion... If it's outside the womb, you know, you care for it like you would any baby. So it's kind of like, hey, anyone who's born, treat them with the same kind of medical care. But on January 11th, 
as the bill was being debated in the House of Representatives. Of course, you had Republicans speaking in favor of the bill, Democrats speaking in opposition to the bill. You had a certain Representative Hillary Shulton, who's a Democrat from Michigan, make remarks on the House floor, and she was trying not to be the typical Democrat, you know, like the typical atheist Democrat talk about just reproductive rights, but trying to bring Christian credentials in opposition to the bill and kind of in favor of so-called choice. And so we want to play the clip of Representative Hillary Shulton and what she said on the House floor. Madam Speaker, I rise today in support of parental and maternal rights and in opposition to H.R. 26. I'm the first mother in history to represent West Michigan in Congress. This matter is deeply personal to me. I recently shared publicly about my own experience navigating a complex miscarriage and the loss of my daughter. As a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. And further, when I read the scripture, I turn to passages and I'm guided by passages like Jeremiah 1 verses 5, which states, I knew you before I formed you and I placed you in your mother's womb. It doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. It says the mother's womb. I believe life is precious, but I reject the idea that if I embrace the sanctity of life, I also must be forced to invite the federal government in to regulate it. We must protect families from unnecessary government intrusion into the most sacred and personal decisions of our the lives and our children's expired. lives. Thank the you. The gentlelady is recognized. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, sweetheart, when you hear that clip... Does it seem like this woman is really, like, truly a Christian in full understanding and devotion to the Bible when she can take Jeremiah 1.5, which many people will quote against abortion, and to try to twist it into a verse to favor abortion— does it seem like she's being genuine to you? Does it seem like she's being someone who's otherwise fully understands the issue? And is she interpreting that verse correctly in this case? <laughs> Yikes. That's a loaded question there. I mean, my first thought when I was listening to that was that that sounds like a very watered down version of that verse. <laughs> and so I just pulled up Jeremiah 1.5. And I mean, when you read the whole verse, it tells you a lot more of what's going on and what <laughs> yeah. it means. So it says, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Yeah, God is telling Jeremiah when he's a young man, He, you know, Jeremiah calls himself a child. <laughs> he's like that young. He thinks he's not equipped to speak to Israel because he's still a child in his own understanding. But God says when he was in the womb, God sanctified him. 
So how is it that somehow we're supposed to get choice or abortion from this? <laughs> you know, when God is clearly talking about the personhood, God has a relationship, you know, I knew you, like you know someone, you have a relationship with him. And he was ordained and sanctified while he was still in the womb to have a role that God would have for him to do. Well, I think to me, this verse is cool, too, because it's talking about the entire process. So while you're being formed in your mother's womb, you are still this known child, Mm, this person. And that doesn't change even when you come out of the womb. Because it's saying like, okay, you come out, you're like this, and it's easier for everyone to see that, yes, you're known. But even before then, when you're in the womb and not everyone can see you, but God still sees you in there. So you're the same person, whether you're in the womb, you're outside of the womb. And that's why God's saying this baby, this child is precious. They're valuable. And that's where we're saying that this bill needs to add protection to these unborn babies that are born, you know, despite of an abortion. They're born and they're a human being. They're alive. And they need to be sustained. And as a medical professional, that is your job. That is your vow to protect and... Do no harm. Yes, not to harm and to help as best as you can to your ability and to your knowledge and your skill level. And I think that this bill just shows how deep the evilness of wanting to harm children or harm that innocent life, just how deep that runs. I would like to say to Representative Shulton that no, the Bible does not support abortion or so-called choice there, and her interpretation or application of that verse of Jeremiah 1.5 is not in any way correct. The opposite is true. So we want to get into other similar supporting verses in the Bible that demonstrate, like, she doesn't know what she's talking about, and if she does, she's being deceitful. But first, before we get into some verses, I want to quick just kind of make some comments about this bill and the situation with it. Because, you know, as I said, this bill is like the absolute minimum of what you would consider the outskirts of what a pro-life view might be, you know, because <laughs> we're talking, we're not even talking about the unborn as, as far as this bill is concerned. It's only referring to any baby that's born. And yet all but two Democrats voted against this thing. It just shows, yeah, just how deep that swamp is. My name is Andy Olson, and I want to tell you about Echozoe Radio. Echozoe Radio is a podcast outreach of Echozoe Ministries. Every month I find a knowledgeable guest to talk about an important and interesting topic that affects the church today. We carefully balance the discussions of positive, God-glorifying doctrines of Orthodox Christianity from a mostly Reformed point of view with exposés of heresy, false teaching, and poor practice that goes on throughout the church today. You can find us at echozoe.com. That's E-C-H-O-Z-O-E dot com. So I have a verse that actually talks about that right Okay. It's actually from Jeremiah. So that representative just needed to read a little bit further along. (laughs) Jeremiah 7, verse 31, it says, And they have built the high places of Tophet, (laughs) which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, Mm -hmm. to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not neither came it into my heart. (laughs) This is kind of an interesting passage 
reading some of the commentaries on it because some mm. translations say like neither did it come into my mind mm. and so then there was the discussion like okay but if god knows things why didn't this come into his mind but then you look at the king james and the new king james versions and it's translated and neither did it come into my heart but just showing like the depth of the evilness that people went to during that time to sacrifice their children by burning them in the fire. Yeah. And God's just so grieved by that. Like, oh my goodness, like these people are even going to this extent of harming their own children. And it's just like, to me, it's not like God didn't know it. It's just that shock of that evilness and the depth of it that they're actually going to act on that. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, because even God before told them that the Canaanites did that and said, you know, you shall not do this. And yet here they are doing what he had already commanded in the law not to do. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like it never entered my heart that this would be a practice you should do. And yet here you are doing it. And yeah, that's just how I think this bill is. It's like. Okay, you never think that a good majority, well, the majority of the Democrats would vote for, yes, it's okay to go ahead and continue to kill a child outside of the womb. Yeah, I was going to comment about how it wasn't long ago when most Democrats would have at least argued (laughs) that anyone outside, like birth was the dividing line that anyone outside the womb by definition then had the right to life because it was no longer inside the mother because everything was about you know okay you know if it's in the mother the mother has the choice but then outside the mother it's like okay so now it seems like democrats want to believe that somehow a choice of abortion extends outside the womb So if a baby happens to be born after a botched abortion, which this bill is addressing, doesn't this now mean that the baby's outside the womb and it's now, according to their understanding, or at least what they used to understand, that it's now a human person and therefore has the right to life? As I mentioned before, obviously this bill is like the bare minimum and you'd think that, you know, just years ago, everyone in Congress would have agreed with this. But the debate over this bill reveals a lot about how advocates of abortion now think of things because it seems like an issue of night and day, black and white, because if you're going to be pro-life, you have to be consistently pro-life. Like, we understand life begins at consistency. Because if you make compromises there, you know, everything's relative. It could be like a slippery slope and stuff. So to be consistently pro-life means that all life is precious. Beginning at conception, you just don't intentionally take the life of an innocent human, unborn or born. And then on the other side, it now seems that abortion advocates, where they used to be like kind of, well, maybe we can do abortions up to 28 weeks or something. After that, then it becomes murder. Or then some will say, well, as long as it's inside the womb, then it's a choice. But now it's like bills like this and the current Democrats' commitment to the sacrament of abortion (laughs) demonstrates that they're trying 
trying to be consistent with their view, such to the point of, well, if there's any challenges to it, if there's any restrictions, even with a bill that anyone who's outside the womb, by definition, must be treated equally under the law, then... It reveals that, oh, well, that might poke holes in anything before that or anything we want to have as a choice. And so, yeah, so when you have just a common sense, you know, like it should go without saying type of law that says, hey, if it's outside the womb, you treat it the same way. The fact that Democrats are so opposed to this, it shows that it's going to reveal things. And the slippery slope with their thinking is that the mother and her doctor alone determine before birth that a baby can be aborted. And somehow that carries like a divine (laughs) sentence. It's almost like, okay, they've sovereignly declared a death sentence on that baby. But what happens if the baby is born? Okay, they tried to exercise abortion, but the baby survived and is now outside the womb and breathing. Then it's like, well, it's... It's still under the sentence of the choice that we made, so now we still have the right to kill it. Then you have to think, well, what if the choice of abortion didn't intend to have an action? Like, it was kind of like, okay, I hereby declare before birth that we're going to abort the child. And then they just don't go through with any kind of abortion. They're thinking, yeah, I'll wait Let's try this. Let's give birth and then be thinking, like, let's see what parenthood is like. And then it's like, well, we already chose, we already elected to have an abortion. So let's pull out the abortion card 28 days later or a year later, like just a decision to have an abortion at any point while the child is unborn using the Democrats' logic that now a baby outside the womb still should be able to be killed, well, doesn't that mean technically someone can abort any time later in life if they just made that decision while the baby was in the womb? <laughs> like, where does this logic lead? <laughs> That's the question here to ask these Democrats who oppose such a simple, obvious bill <laughs> that isn't even dealing with the womb. And that was a question that I was going to have with Representative Scholten there, her comments, because he said that it's the mother's womb, it's not the government's womb, it's not the speaker's womb, but wait a minute, we're not even talking about a baby in the womb, we're talking about a baby outside the womb, so is it now still the mother's womb even with the born baby? That's my rambling about this, but really that's the question I'm trying to ask. Where does the right to abortion end, if not even with this bill that they're debating and the Democrats all said no to it? Doesn't this line of thinking remind you of Nazi Germany? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, babies are marked for if they're going to live or they're going to die. To the abortion advocates, it doesn't matter what age, what location, Mm -hmm. they're just marked for death. And I think that's where we as Christians have got to keep fighting and standing up against this evilness because they're not going to stop. And basically, if you're labeled wanted or unwanted, then you're going to either receive treatment or have your death Mm -hmm. sentence. And that's scary being parents. Okay, what if our child is born, I mean, our one child, he was born with some difficulties. What if the doctors decide like, oh, he has too many problems. We're just not going to treat him. 
I mean, they can label kids and decide if they're going to treat or not treat. I mean, this is what we're seeing with even elderly people and some of the special needs kids. And we're seeing that in Europe and Canada. And this is the first stages of that in our country, the United States. This is crazy. And what are we doing as Christians? (laughs) Just sitting around saying like, oh, let's hopefully vote in someone good next time. Okay, that's not going to help. We have got to do stuff right now. And I'm not trying to underestimate the power of prayer because prayer is very powerful. But we need to take action too. Because if we're just sitting around saying we're going to pray about it and not do anything, especially if God is leading you to do something, then this is not going to change. It's just going to keep getting worse. Let's not just be secret Christians hiding our faith in the ballot box, you know, actually proclaim truth, actually tell people what you believe and don't be embarrassed by it. And yeah, there are ways to help with things, you know, donate to pregnancy centers, help out where you can. There's different ways to deal with this rather than thinking everything is solved every two years at a ballot box and you don't have to be public about your faith. So also on Fox and Friends weekend, which as we're recording, this is Saturday, I believe it was earlier today, there were two abortion survivors, Melissa Odin and Sarah Zargorski. They were interviewed on Fox and Friends weekend, and they criticized the Democrats for opposing this bill. And you'd think <laughs> they'd have a an issue with people saying no to this bill i mean as far as their own lives are concerned like they're actually there living talking jobs whatever they have a purpose in life and they're looking back on the fact that they were being aborted and and yet in the case of one abortion survivor i was reading about it was a mother who well at first she was in there for abortion and then once the baby was came out and it was still alive then she demanded that the doctor treat the baby and the doctor was refusing and wanting to say that like we just need to kill it and then the mother talk about a quick change of attitude there so she's in for an abortion but then she sees the baby there come out still alive so it's like shock okay you need to treat this baby you need to like help it and the doctor says we just need to let it die and then the mother says you know i am going to sue you if you don't treat this baby (laughs) what kind of work god can do in the hearts of people pretty quickly like that and so yeah you have abortion survivors there who they could feel the nose on this bill as almost as if it's like daggers in their hearts. Because anyone who votes no on this bill is essentially saying, those of you who are abortion survivors, you have no right to be standing there breathing and talking. You should have just succumbed to your death sentence. You just think about it, and I was reading the comments on this particular article talking about these two abortion survivors, and of course there was Democrat comments, and someone was challenging the idea that they were truly abortion survivors because they're trying to claim that such a category of people doesn't even exist. Like, okay, you know, you because you're so pro-abortion and you don't want anything to challenge your worldview there, you just going to deny the existence of abortion survivors. 
But of course, they want to say, you know, you want to say transgender people don't exist, as in you don't acknowledge what their claim about themselves. Well, they can't even acknowledge the claim from people who say, yes, it's in the medical records that I was being aborted, yet I survived. Here I am. Yeah, pretty crazy world we have here. So now, quickly, I want to get into a few Bible verses similar to Jeremiah 1.5. And I want to comment on Jeremiah 1.5 quickly for the congresswoman because she quoted it. And it says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Wait, if God formed someone in the womb, why would God be forming, integrally forming a baby and saying, Hallelujah, you have the choice to end what I am forming, the life that I'm developing. Can a so-called Christian make sense of that? (laughs) Yeah, and before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. You We mentioned that before, God sanctified Jeremiah as a baby in the womb. And you can't make the claim that, well, Jeremiah specifically was sanctioned, but other babies in the womb are not sanctioned. They're disposable. The next verse we have is somewhat similar to Jeremiah, and it's found in Isaiah 44, verse 24. It says, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. <laughs> this is powerful, like our amazing God who made the heavens and the earth, like he made everything that we see. And I liked how you described it, just intricately and personably forming <laughs> this tiny little baby inside the womb here. That just shows you how valuable mm. that developing baby is that God's going to be in that process of forming. (laughs) I don't know. It's just like a mind blowing concept to think, okay, God's hands who are stretching out the heavens and the stars, like how vast they are. And then this little tiny baby in there, he's like delicately forming. It's just, (laughs) it's just so amazing to think of that. Yeah. That's paralleling. He's the one who forms you in the womb with, he stretches out the heavens and spreads the earth like okay why would you put those on the same plane there but yeah that shows as you said sweetheart the importance the value that god is placing on one forming in the womb you can compare the greatness of that to the greatness of the universe (laughs) that god devotes that importance to forming someone in the womb and I have Isaiah 49, verses 1 and 5. So verse 1 says, Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And verse 5, And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. I know there's other verses that I saw that I didn't include in our notes to bring up. Like Isaiah has quite a few mentions of God saying, I formed you in the womb. You know, if God wanted to make a point there about the value of life in the womb, 
Could he have done otherwise than repeatedly mentioning, I'm the one who formed you in the womb, and I didn't form you in the womb to be disposable or make you a choice either? Ever wish you could get together with a friend over coffee each week and talk about God's Word? Me too. Hi, I'm Anthony Russo. I'm the host of Grace and Peace Radio. Grace and Peace Radio is a Christian living blog and podcast dedicated to engaging conversations about applying God's Word to everyday life. I hope you'll join me, Anthony Russo, on Grace and Peace Radio each week at graceandpeaceradio.com or right here on the christianpodcastcommunity.org. So I have a question for you about the statement Hillary Shulton made. So when she brings up Jeremiah 1.5, then she is pointing out like her reason for bringing up that verse is that it says the baby was placed in the mother's womb. It wasn't the government's womb or the speaker's womb. So she's not arguing that there isn't like a baby developing or valued in the womb. Yeah. But she's saying like it's because it's the mother's womb specifically, that that's why it should be the mother's decision to be able to choose abortion or not. (laughs) Yeah, that that seems to be what she's trying to claim. Like the womb doesn't belong to the government to control or regulate, such as disallow the choice of abortion, or that somehow because if the government is protecting the life of the baby, that somehow it's claiming ownership of the woman's womb. (laughs) Yeah. That's how abortion advocates constantly look at things like that. Just, okay, it's a human life. No one's allowed to kill it. Or there's penalties, just like there's a penalty for murder. Like, okay, so say someone murders their 13-year-old child, and then the government, as appropriately, issues a penalty on that murder. Could that person say, well, this was my child. You didn't own him. Like, you know, of course we look at that as ridiculous. This isn't the government claiming ownership over someone's child because they say, hey, you murdered someone, therefore here's the penalty. You know, that's the same thing, the way we recognize the personhood of the child in the womb. Just because it's in the mother's womb doesn't mean we're saying it's the government's womb or the speaker of the house's womb if there's a penalty for murder for killing the child there. So basically her argument is saying location (laughs) is the key point. Yeah, So the baby's located in the womb, then it should be the mother's decision. (laughs) And ironically, this whole bill that she was trying to use that verse for wasn't even talking about anything in the mother's womb. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what's strange to me, even though I understand that abortionist advocates seem to have to go to this point as we're asking those questions like, well, because she decided that the baby must die if somehow it doesn't die and it's now outside the womb. Well, I made the decision it must be carried out. I think the representative needed to find a translation that said in the mother's house. (laughs) That would have been more fitting. Because then it wouldn't matter if it's like... The mother's universe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's the scary thing though with this logic. Like you said, it's just that slippery slope of, okay, if we're basing whether someone lives or dies on location, Mm -hmm. then... Or even a predetermined choice. (laughs) Yeah. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you kill someone else Mm. in your household, (laughs) like... 
it's just so crazy and it's crazy to think about how many people are against this bill <laughs> so another verse i know we mentioned this in a previous episode talking about abortion at job 31 verse 15 it says did not he that made me in the womb make him and did not one fashion us in the womb so once again we have this language talking about god fashioning and developing us in the womb He makes us in the womb. He doesn't make us outside the womb. And it's not like, you know, he's fashioning us like some Lego blocks in the womb that, oh, we could choose to knock it down if we don't like that structure. You know, it's like (laughs) he's fashioning our very being by the process of developing in the womb. And yeah, guess what? Once you're outside the womb, you're still developing. It's a continuum. It's a continuation of that process that starts at conception. And the womb is where, although we're hidden from the world, except for ultrasounds now, that's what the psalmist mentions in Psalm 139, where your eyes saw my unformed substance. So, you know, God sees and God fashions even in that hidden part, that hidden location inside the mother's womb. And so reading these verses... I don't see how you can get an interpretation as the congresswoman suggests. Sure, it's the mother's womb, but God made the mother and God made the baby, and they're both valuable, and neither one of them should be killed because God makes and fashions and sanctifies every human to live for him, to worship him, to discover his plan of salvation. And so, yes, I know we talked about last episode where Jesus was one who also, via the incarnation, was knit and fashioned in the womb. And he was sanctified and he was anointed and he had the purpose such that he would give his life on the cross of Calvary. And so, once again, Jesus Christ and his salvation for humanity is also yet again one evidence for a Christian. (laughs) If the congresswoman is truly a Christian, she would recognize that the whole story, the whole point of the Bible from cover to cover is is to demonstrate the meaning and purpose and sanctity of life, including the fact that even though we were sinners, we are fallen, and we deserve the death that she thinks a human can inflict upon another, yet we have human values being created in the image of God, and God grants us the value by Jesus Christ himself being a human, dying on the cross, and redeeming, as we see, the Lord is our redeemer. Redeemer and Jesus redeems unworthy people. He grants them life. He grants them value. And so, yes, Congresswoman, if you truly are a Christian, you need to study your Bible more and repent of the evil, the absolute abject evil position that you are taking there. And we hope that you um, enjoyed this episode of Truth Espresso, that these verses were a help for seeing just how the Bible does not support abortion, that God forms us in the womb and with a purpose, and that salvation is available to all who call upon Jesus Christ as their Savior. And God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day.
Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.